People come out of their homes and clapped and bashed pots and pans for the NHS every Thursday at 8 p.m. Applause that ran across the UK for 10 weeks during the first national lockdown in 2020. Little did they know that behind the closed hospital doors, where no prying eyes of the loved ones of those left to its mercy were allowed, a protocol had been put in place that would change the lives of thousands of people forever. Standard treatments using antibiotics for lungs and chest infections were stopped. Patients were instructed to isolate at home with no treatments. And some then developed pneumonia that could have been prevented with antibiotics. Upon arrival at hospital somewhere sedated with opioids, this caused respiratory depression and then put on a ventilator. And the rest is history, a history they hope you will forget. Critical care doctors say many patients placed on these machines don't survive. The outcome for a patient who has to be ventilated if they have COVID-19 is horrific. Chinese researchers studying critically ill patients on ventilators in Wuhan found in a group of 32, only one person survived. The average room air is 21%. After several days on a ventilator, high levels of oxygen can become toxic, damage the lungs, and lead to other serious complications. Dr. Richard Levitan, who recently spent 10 days working on a COVID ward, had this to say. Six, 87 patients, one coming down, so 87. How many of those are on ventilators? Uh, I think 84. Uh, I think 84. So, high, so the vast, high vast, vast majority. So the vast, vast, vast majority. Now, if you deteriorate, will you like us to put you to sleep and put a tube in your mouth and put you on breathing support? You're not going to deteriorate. That's good, good uh, thinking. But there is a can't function normally because he's sedated and being kept alive by a ventilator. The government had asked engineering firms to help build thousands of new medical ventilators. Why didn't you want to go on a ventilator? I didn't, I didn't want to be able to. If you're on the board of a care home company, a pandemic is one of the things that you think about as a potential damage to your business because of the number of older people it's going to take out of the system. Curiously, ripping off the sticking plaster, in that hospital I'm thinking about that has 92 delayed discharges, a pandemic would be quite useful because then your hospital would work because these people would be taken out of the system, because these people would be taken out of the system. Every single patient here, except one, is sedated. There are 13 patients on this ward, 12 are on intubators, and they're in a coma. The doctors are using ventilators to keep them alive. Row after row, bed after bed, with some of the sickest patients in the region. There are men and women, young and old, black and white. Most are sedated and intubated but they know more patients will die. 
at the start of filming, they had lost six. By the time we finished a few hours later, it was seven. Uh, we typically use ventilators uh, to treat what's called respiratory failure. Uh, that is, uh, we use the ventilator to do the work that the patient's muscles can no longer do because they're too tired to do it. These patient's muscles work fine. This method being widely adopted at the increased pressure on the lungs in order to open them up is actually doing more harm than good. And that the pressure we are providing, uh, that we are providing to lungs, we may be providing to lungs that cannot stand it, that cannot take it. And that the ARDS that we are seeing, that the whole world is seeing, may be nothing more than lung injury caused by the ventilator. These are the difficult decisions made between patients and doctors. Getting wired up and plugged in is grueling. Getting wired up and plugged in. And plugged in. In these nine days, I have seen things I have never seen before. In treating these patients, I have witnessed medical phenomenon that just don't make sense in the context of treating a disease that is supposed to be a viral pneumonia. And this is the disease ARDS, for which in the next two to six weeks, 100,000 Americans might be put on a ventilator, and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. In short, I believe we are treating the wrong disease, and I fear that this misguided treatment will lead to a tremendous amount of harm to a great number of people in a very short time. Little did they know that behind the closed hospital doors, where no prying eyes of the loved ones of those left to its mercy were allowed, a protocol had been put in place that would change the lives of thousands of people forever. St. Arafat Day, you know what that means. And uh, I'm sure time today is uh, the, uh, oh, not intake, but orientation for uh, my daughter's uh, trip to oh, what a junior high, junior high school, I called it. Uh, what if, uh, it was secondary school when I were a lad, but uh, here, here it's referred to as junior high. Um, so there's a few things I want to touch on. Um, there's a, well, um, why why am I pivoting to look at dysautonomia? Um, because uh, one of our own, Commander Rixie, is not doing well. And as a consequence, um, I think it would behove us to um, pay attention to what what these uh, what these symptoms entail, and uh, maybe 
other people that you know may be um, suffering these uh, protracted effects. And so um, I want to find out uh, more. And so I've seen that there's a recent review article from uh, Nature Medicine, I want to say. I had to uh, rent that fucker, but um, I'm presuming presuming that it works and the uh, it works that it's up to date sorry i'm just looking out the corner of my eye and uh i saw rumble quit working on my phone uh and in my mind uh no rumble's working it's working fine i can see it playing in front of me so <laughs> so uh barring the uh oh, it's not sort of freudian slips but uh subliminal cues but coming in there and disrupting my flow um there are a couple of news items of course that i want to cover um obviously um, uh, I don't know, the, the war drums are beating and uh, we, <laughs> we, with all that beating, uh, we must check the uh, the Ziocon uh, cooming that they lust for and we'll, uh, we'll take a quick dabble into that and um, I, oh yes, misinformation as well. And uh, there's an article that I saw linked to this morning in the Telegram group, which uh, I think is very long as well. So um, I might only just partially cover that. I think we'll get the sort of gist of it um, from the first couple of paragraphs. And I'll say just please let me know if the sound is okay. People have been saying that they get like a sinusoidal change in the uh, the volume. Now, is that just, is that the mic messing up or is that just me just sort of moving around the mic and, um, you know, just, uh, I don't know. The, I, I've got the gain cranked. I'll crank it right up. There you go. Cranked right up. Right to the top. Um, <laughs> so... Let me know if that uh, that mic's working better now. Just uh, gobble it, gobble it down. Um, all right. So I don't see the chat for some reason. Oh, there it is, hiding right there. Uh, let's see, dudes. I need advice. Occasionally, my ex keeps hurting and poking me. Um, <laughs> just uh, block that telephone number, sir. Ayahuascaban, good to see you. Uh, let's see who else we have here. Uh, Chris, uh, good to see you, sir. And do, 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 do. she hurts my mental health. Oh, I vey, my feels. Uh, you have to toughen up, Sonny Jim. Get uh, some calluses on that heart and um, move on, I'm afraid. And, uh, you know, uh, slappers these days, uh, ten a penny, um, not, not worth not worth wasting your time on. They're, uh... <laughs> Find one you can put a baby into and stick with it. That would be my advice. Um, easier said than done when uh, they're all amped up on uh, pregnelinone or whatever it is that they harvest from horses and uh, dampen their ovaries with and uh, subsequently their minds. Um, but hey, that's just me. Uh, I still have feelings, right? You, you know what? Um, you're starting to annoy me in the tap, your local shlomo, and uh, any more of this uh, bleeding heart feels. I gave you some advice. Now go away and uh, do do what I told you. All right. Uh, double chat. Uh, why is that? Double chat. Um, 
I don't know why. Uh, let's do that. Do that. And. Mm, 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 mm. What could be causing double chat? Mm. It's picking up rumble, right? Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's causing that. Everything. Uh, look, be grateful you got chat, and uh, <laughs> I can I can read it and see. Uh, oh, I know what it might be. Uh, oh yeah, I know what it is. Let's do this and do this and boom there uh give dog shekels in 3d double vision uh that's right expels it's uh it's friday saint arafat day and uh you know what that means the coal burner the blick coal burner in the back needs filling up with uh more goist slot fast food to keep him punching away at those keys and making sure that we can keep punching back at those who would turn the key on uh, totalitarianism, etc., etc. Um, <laughs> put your barren woman to work and uh, get yourself a concubine. Aye. All right. Uh, let's see. Is the double chat fixed now? Should be. Should be, should be, should be. All right. So let's do uh, <laughs> just a uh, shout out to Good Doggy for this one just cracked me up. Um, nothing to do with today's stream, <laughs> but just, uh, boom, uh, trust the coom, uh, you know it, <laughs> trust the doc to get you through the, uh, the, uh, the long, the long dark nights, it's dark, it's dark there in the US now, right, and, uh, in Europe on the Western Hemisphere, it's a glorious, glorious, I would say almost spring-like day here in Japan, there was barely any winter at all, I hope there's some more. Um, I can't. St it just means the hot weather's coming. It only feels like it fucked off a few weeks ago. All right. Uh, if you've wandered in here and wondering who I am, Nitrin at the can. Why am I qualified to talk about uh, totalitarianism? Well, I've been on the receiving end of it multiple times now for speaking about something that I am qualified to speak about, which is uh, well, viral effects on the brain. And uh, if you were like to find out uh, more about my, uh, shall we say, orthodox career, you can go to ResearchGate, and there you will find uh, all my metrics and shit and all the work that's out there for the public to enjoy should you need a uh, sleeping remedy for late of an evening. Ah, let's see. <laughs> Genghis Kahum and half Ram. Mm. We can but dream, huh? But uh, imagine all the headaches, all the hemp pecking. Ow! Genghis! Put the dishes away! <laughs> Take your shoes off! Put your socks in the washer! <laughs> uh, and of course, what I would like to do is remind everyone uh, if I can get the uh, page sorted out. There we go. Um, that uh, I'm only able to stream and bring you this uh, epic, uh, I should we say, geopolitical, come scientific, coom, 
comedy uh, stream uh, with your support. Today, your support goes to uh, Feeding the Plantation. That's right. Uh, Simon's got to eat. And uh, he can't he can't just live off uh, the empty wrappers from Mackie D's uh, much as I would like him to. It would be easier on the doc's wallet. Right. So, uh, of course, uh, you can use uh, user cards, GayPal, uh, Patreon, buy me a coffee, subscribe star, cryptocurrencies. And uh, you can join the discord. Uh, we have a gilded backup as well and there's uh, if you're not bothered enough by uh, digital detritus uh, you can get an email uh, should you wish to register to be notified that uh, I have to pay for that bloody service so um, <laughs> please use it and uh, <laughs> let's see Kengas were too busy to deal with the hen pecking he had Christians to slay um, maybe I think he just I think he just slayed everyone right it wasn't it wasn't just Christians that had the uh, that had the uh, bullseye on them with their uh, high tech high tech bows right um, so yes and of course remind everyone that uh, we talk you listen dot com um, your place to go to where you can watch the stream as well. Oh, yeah, of course, remind you that you can watch the stream on McCannDojo.com where you go to uh, give support to the doc. And uh, that also reminds me that uh, use the tools of your oppressors down there in the corner, the totalitarian oppressors. Um, use their weapons against them. Uh, scan that QR code with your uh, 21st century mind control device. No need for uh, Neuralink. Uh, they got you already. Um, just Point it at that QR code, feed the coon, and uh, make the shekels uh, rain down. All right, so uh, just, yes, uh, remind everyone, uh, we talk, you listen.com. Um, we are live on there, and um, see it, Albert's there, and a whole bunch. Start loading stuff up there, please, folks. Uh, use it or lose it, as they say. And uh, there was a couple of news items I wanted to cover. So, uh, you know, obviously... There's a lot sort of happening to and froing. No one really wants to give their positions away per se with respect to large moves, but obviously the tension is building. There have been uh, American casualties in. Um, uh, I'm still not sure where this base is. Some say Jordan. Some say it was in Syria. Um, <laughs> that would that would make uh, the U.S. Army uh, being in Syria uh, an occupying force. Um, I don't remember them declaring war against Syria, and um, I'm not so I'm not entirely sure what the mission is precisely, except uh, securing the oil for Zog uh, to feed uh, voluminous, voluminous uh, Zog behinds as they sit there on the Mediterranean beaches, laughing at the fireworks uh, and the explosions echoing down the shoreline um let's uh yes so i wanted to uh so with all this uh positioning and posturing um chief zog and jabber the heart face jew uh victoria newland was in ukraine and uh was was trying to bang the war drums uh, let's have a listen to that uh frantic uh drumming shall we I have to say that I leave Kiev tonight uh, more encouraged about the unity and the resolve uh, about 2020. 
can you can you guys hear that? Is there um isn't the mission Western destruction physical You had enough? Oh, it's never enough for that bleak. Um, let me just see who I've got to thank uh, for that. And uh, thank you, Mouse. Good to see you in the chat, Furtive. Good to see you as well. Uh, it's a bit quiet. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's a uh, it's a Friday. Yes, uh, the numbers are low. Did I put out alerts? Maybe I didn't send out Twitter. Who knows? Uh, maybe people are just fed up of uh, looking looking at my visage and uh, got something better to do on uh, what was, was it, Thursday evening. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, I'll sit here and um, pump out and try um, try to be uh, bring some entertainment to your life. What's the um, <laughs> the audio? Uh, yeah, I, I might just I might just ramp that up it, it's <laughs> how should we say uh terribly terribly uh weak and um much like let's, let's do this and let's let's just try playing her again um you, you can barely hear her over the uh, the howling winds of the Eastern European winter. I have to say that I leave Kiev tonight. <laughs> I leave Kiev. I leave Kiev. And it's it's very, uh, how should we say, uh, a nervous um, sounding voice. A bit uh, a bit wobbly there as she's uh, as she's trying to blurt out Kiev. Uh, more encouraged about the unity and the resolve uh, about 2024 and its absolute strategic importance for Ukraine. Uh, I... <laughs> that is a person that is not enjoying standing there. And she knows that the Ruskies are looking right down on her. And uh, should they so desire? They could have her squirming around making blood red snow angels on that cold, cold floor. <laughs> they don't, they're not so keen when it's their skin in the game, folks. And not so keen at all. I also leave more confident that. <laughs> really confident. Yo, know, it's oozing, oozing from every one of your expanded, greasy pores. Hardly. Uh, even as Ukraine strengthens its defenses, uh, Mr. Putin's going to get some nice surprises on the battlefield. And then. It's going to get some nice. Even as Ukraine strengthens its defenses uh mr putin's gonna get some nice surprises on the battlefield holy shit man you can tell they sat and round tabled that one for uh, a few hours and thinking oh my god we've got to uh we've got to get more meat into that zog meat grinder we've got to get more ukrainians lined up lined up so hopefully we don't have to send our young but then we probably are anyway. Oh my god! It's just, uh, it's 
<laughs> These feckless fucking assholes, man. <laughs> this, this, all those men, all those families destroyed by this fucking greasy blimp of a bitch. And Europe, you're up next. <laughs> you're the uh, you're the follow-on suite to what's uh, for military sausage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, half a million men weren't enough right now. And you know, what are these people thinking? Oh, Russia's Russia's going to be doing sweeping maneuvers across. Uh, I don't. I don't think that. I think. I think the war's going pretty much how they want, which is to. They've annexed the territory, and Ukrainians are running into their machine guns. Now, is it fierce fighting? Yes. Uh, of course. Um, I think any modern war, um, industrial war, none of this, uh, none of this gallivanting about the, uh, the deserts, chasing after Abdul and his fucking AKs. <laughs> this, is, this is different, and um, they, they ain't doing so well. They know it. It comes off in every word and her... Again, just a look at those droopy, slack shoulders <laughs> and that rancid double chin. This is this is not inspiring military confidence. This isn't this isn't the men of the Second World War standing there in the crowds of thousands. We must bring our enemy scalps back home. <laughs> no, this is. This is the Zog whimper at the end of uh, their empire as they uh, reposition themselves. Well, of course, they position themselves for the next empire, of course. But uh, they're taking you uppity Westerners down a peg or two. All right. The, the coming war will not be a traditional war. No. <laughs> not if the bio-warfare was anything to go by. We can, uh, we can be sure of that much. And... Uh, Drones uh, will be the order of the day. There will be no hiding uh, in this instance. They're just the flare imaging is too good. The <laughs> algorithms for <laughs> seek and destroy just honed that bit too well now after the uh, the practice runs they've had. And um, <laughs> they're just, I'm not sure. I, I don't know how you're going to be able to convince Americans to die en masse for this. I, I'm not sure the rah-rah, we must go over there, uh, <laughs> fight them over there for our freedoms is going to work anymore. I really don't. Um, Russia is not rolling up on uh, the US's doorstep. The US has rolled up on Russia's doorstep. And you know this gets into this issue about, oh, we're only, we're only supplying them in weapons and well, targeted and special operatives on the ground and uh, special forces, etc, etc. And <laughs> sort of double standard as uh, they now try to uh, threaten Iran. And I don't know if they can pull that one off. Particularly, I'm not sure what are they going to do? That's <laughs> Storm the beaches of Hormuz. <laughs> In an election year. Oh dear, oh dear. What a fucking mess. And uh, just for that, I'm going to uh, pimp one Saint Griffin of uh, 
British National Party fame. He's been uh, he's been on fire uh, on Twitter. I have to say, um, I highly encourage um, following him just for his great takes. Uh, a reminder of the values upheld by NATO. Half a million Ukrainians have been thrown into the meat grinder, but they're running out of men. So it's your turn, or perhaps it's your children or grandchildren. The Zionist, anti-white racists, and trans warmongers are coming or gaming for you. What a picture! What a picture, America! What a fall from grace! Holy fucking shit! Well, <laughs> it's hilarious to me how the uh, the pokey in bit of their rainbow flag is black and then shit coloured. <laughs> Let's see what else uh, St. Griffin has to say. Uh, just like that, the Guardian no longer claims that race is just a social construct. People in England with Jewish ancestry to be offered tests to detect cancer risk. What? Right. Right. Race is real. Hey. You had enough? I never had enough. Uh, why, why have I lost my... Uh... <laughs> Where this... Uh, there was a... There was a couple of others down here that were, were gems. Where was it? Uh, <laughs> does anyone else have a sinking feeling? Yeah, we can't, we can't staff our Navy. And neither can the US right now. Um, <laughs> you destroy the men and then there's nothing left. <laughs> Fat, soy-filled trannies um, ain't that good at hauling rope and uh, humping packs across uh, cold freezing terrain um, <laughs> apparently the first Britons were black exhibition on diverse history claims uh, how about they go fuck themselves and uh, this was what I was looking for NATO leaders want your children the younger the better look at the fucking state of that look at it look at it just, I don't want my head over that. Uh, <laughs> just get out of the way. Look, look. What the fuck is that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Russians and Chinese must be quaking in their boots. And this is what happens, I suppose, when you just lean into. Um, you think you think you've got overarching technical superiority and you don't realize and well, they're finding out in ukraine right now uh, actually when you get into a fire a real one the fancy missiles and uh and shells only go so far <laughs> you need you need men and uh probably you know the the weapons of the sort of 80s and uh, 90s are probably what you really, you know, something you can churn out, number, not too high tech, a bit of precision, and you need it in mass volumes. <laughs> Before you face off and have to bayonet the trannies. <laughs> Free bonus whole bingo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I say, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm choosing 
conscientious objector status to this war. I ain't fighting for Globo Homo. Sorry, no way, no how. Then my never key work. Fuck these peppers! Well, that as well, but <laughs> never, never. Anyway. <laughs> You don't want any of that toxic masculinity on the uh, battlefield. <laughs> but you know what? That thing, that, that, that is fucking, I don't know what, <laughs> that's some deranged masculinity. Who the fuck? Who the fuck signed off on this, man? I mean, I mean, it's hilarious. If you're not going to get wrapped up in it, right, you may as well just sit back and take the piss out of it. <laughs> And just, just pity the four fools that will um, essentially be forced, forced into the fighting because um, these rent seeker, you know who I'm going to talk about, um, have uh, have decided that they can fight wars with trannies and um, affirmative action committees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anyway. Um, Enough of uh, global <laughs> global shenanigans. The globo homo shenanigans. Let me just uh, put my face there and let me just get that freak show off my screen. And um, I want to visit this article, um, Nyman Lab. Um, I'm not sure what this is, uh, but it's from Harvard. And um, with the... With the turnkey totalitarianism um, basically just switched back to idle mode, um, we're now getting uh, articles out saying, uh, did we go a little too far? And my answer to that is yes, because you not only shackled academics like myself, but you, in the process, turned us into essentially rabid radicals who will just now devote our time until we draw our last breath of calling out what it is that you did. We will never let people forget. And the simple fact is that we have to look at this as uh, a, it was biowarfare, it still is biowarfare leading into um, far hotter kinetic warfare and um, they're doing everything to try to scramble right now to change the messaging because they know that most people have the memory of goldfish as they dangle more black triangles with extra lenses in to convince you that you need to take on more debt and let's get take on more debt they've got you in their in their clutches the uh, corporate corporate clutches trannies are usa's secret weapon <laughs> well i guess if you're uh trying to induce vomiting on the battlefield um but that's really that just classes as an incapacitation agent all right so um did the battle against misinformation go too far <laughs> simple answer yes done i think we're done with this article <laughs> this this paper is on rent uh i've got uh till sunday to read it and uh it's bloody long it's a big long review um and so I don't even have like the web-based version. I've got to read the PDF on the screen, which is awkward. Um, 
Uh, I'll quickly go back here. Let's let's just see what they were saying. So, in March 2021, a Twitter user asked Martin Kuldorf if everything needed to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Kuldorf, then a professor at Harvard Medical School, had spent 20 years researching infectious diseases and contributing to the development of the country's vaccine safety surveillance system. No, he responded, the vaccines were important for some high-risk people, he wrote, but those with prior natural infection do not need it, nor children. That advice put Kuldorf outside the mainstream in his field, and he soon faced consequences from Twitter, now known as X, of course. The social network labelled the tweet as misleading and inserted a link offering users an opportunity to learn why health officials recommended a vaccine for most people. Twitter also limited the possibility to be retweeted, like Kuldorf said in a recent interview. Yeah, They were lining you up for a potential. Right, right now, we have to investigate what, if, what they've done is a potential kill shot via prion catalysis. That's what we have to check. No one, no one seems to be wanting to step into that domain. No one wants to be asking that question. And it's not just going to take one lab. That hypothesis has to be tested to fucking destruction before we can <laughs> take an inch further forward. Borrow it with screenshots quick. Uh, I mean, it's just a review article. I mean, I doubt there's much I'm going to... I'm doing I'm doing this for the benefit of uh, the crowds out there. Um, let's see. Uh, White Lung Kung Fu and Danger Mouse, both with donors there. Much, much appreciated. That Blick, uh, thank you, from the bottom of his uh, 40 Mackie D field, uh, no doubt hungry belly at the moment. Anyway, the experience spooked him. His account had already been suspended once. What an amateur, uh, he said, and he didn't want to risk a permanent ban. What a fag. I had to self-censor, said Kuldorf. <laughs> what a pussy. I didn't say everything I would have liked to have said. Well, you know, these are the people that we're going to put in charge, are we? <laughs> this is fucking hilarious. And now Kuldorf's being held up as some sort of hero. <laughs> Man, like, talk about controlled pressure release valves. <laughs> they play you guys like fucking cheap violins, I swear. Anyway, um, he was far from alone. Yeah, tell me about it. Over the course of the pandemic, major social media companies removed thousands of accounts and millions of posts that contained statements about COVID-19 flagged as false or misleading. These measures were part of an unprecedented pandemic-era effort to limit the spread of health misinformation at a time when the internet was awash with dubious claims of miracle cures, illness-inducing 5G networks, and vaccines that harbour microchips. Now, think about that, you stupid fuckers who keep believing that nonsense. Do you think that was organic, those storylines being put out there? Or do you think you were being played by advanced censorship networks so you would go around spouting that wank so that when people had legitimate concerns, you know, about lab origins, about bioweapon crossover, about the fact that the... <laughs> They were rolling out gene transfection engineering tools as a mass public health measure. Again, they played you. They played you like the fucking saps that you are. And now, and now it's come to, um, there was no pandemic. There's no, there's no virus. Um, it's the, uh, the Panda shit tier analysis network. And, We've got to, there's, there's this, you've got to keep your sights on what was, what actually happened. 
<laughs> there's a reason people like Charles is suffering right now. There's a reason why my wife is ping-ponging back and forth between various autoimmune conditions. There's a reason why people are fucked up right now and have been essentially for years. They did it deliberately, and um, it may be there's still a worst-case scenario that could potentially be playing out until we find the answer to that bloody prion issue. The question that some public health experts are now asking is whether those efforts ultimately made users healthier and safer. Some studies do suggest that exposure to health misinformation can have real-life consequences, including making some people less likely to want a COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that thing that can just as easily be classed as a bioweapon, um, people might feel a little reluctant about it. <laughs> no shit. Uh, and several public health experts told me that it is perfectly reasonable for tech companies to remove or de-emphasize patently false health claims. What about the ones like I was saying, which is, well, the virus will um, impact the brain, will enter the brain. I'm going through the, uh, the aura of pharyngeal nerve nexus into your limbic territories, which we now know does happen. We know it happened even before, from the first SARS virus. <laughs> Neurotropism is fairly well understood phenomenon. It's the prion bit that we're a little unsure about, and we're, uh, we've honed in that it can catalyze the prion protein. This much we know. We know that spike protein does it. It's there, square in the literature. I talk about it all the time. And they went and jabbed you up with it. They had you had it squirted past your immune barriers where perhaps there might have been an evolutionary chance of you um, scraping away from it and put it in a labile lipid nanoparticle that's now gone and seated itself around all manner of your precious, precious bodily fluid and organ systems. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. But there's scant evidence these poslices actually boosted vaccination rates or prevented harmful behaviours. Yeah, and all you've done is just essentially radicalise a whole section of your society as you flick that key into totalitarianism. And I'm not sure they're winding it back Anytime soon with the, how should we say, the geopolitical instability that we're seeing right now. A lot of it looks like Club of Rome fetish porn that they've been scribbling in the men's bathroom as they peg each other there and think about, oh, God, we must bring them down by millions. Oh, my God. I'm coming. Millions. Brilliant. Must bring them down by billions. Danger Mouse says, thank fuck I didn't take the shot. Um, simple fact is, it probably ain't going to matter over the long, the long haul if, if it's prion catalyzing. That's the, that's the fucked up thing. It would be all right, potentially, if we could say, oh, yeah, I've... Those dupes, those, uh, those sad sacks who are fearing for their jobs were coerced into it. They get theirs. But I'm all right, Jack. I'll survive and pick up the pieces. Pick up and uh, hoover up that wealth like those huge corporations have. It's, 
it's a win. I don't think it is. Well, it, it might not be. Doc, do you think there were still blanks in the batches? Um, I think there probably might have been variability in the batches. Um, blanks? I don't know. I don't know in, in, in this instance. Like I say, the more I think about it, right, they got one shot with this, if, if that's what they've done in utilizing this weapon. Right, because remember, it's it's not just it's not just the vaccine. It's it's the alignment of institutions to make sure that you caught as many people as possible. And so, if that's the case, if if that's what we're looking at, then there wouldn't be blanks. Now there may be instabilities in production, maybe. Um. But, you know, if if what they were aiming for was to mass expose everyone via that prion catalyzer, and again, it it doesn't even have to, oh, it's not just that, right? Then, but that amino acid sequence is unique. There's nothing close to it. And if it's the consequence of um, highly evolved epitope biowarfare research, there are likely epitopes on there as well that have other amyloidogenic, slow kill, slow maim mechanisms. That we, you know, we know that there are impacts. We know, we know that there's in, interaction with um, amyloid beta. We know there's interaction with alpha synuclein, etc. And it's not entirely sure where exactly those peptides are and how come there's so many prion amyloidogenic catalyzing epitopes across so many different peptides in this instance. And to just happen, happen, and the most dangerous one happens to be in the fragmentation part. Okay, it's split as it goes through the infective cycle or as the body makes it and it gets cleaved by um, intracellular and membrane bound and, or whatever, just enzymatic cleavage. Um, this is, this is, the actual data. This is where we stand at the moment. And this, whatever this fucking Nyman lab is, I'm reading this and this is just a fop. This is a fop to all the jelly-spined academics who did go along, who didn't stand up, who didn't say there was something fucking wrong as all this started. And, you know, I've been pulled down and I get it, it was very sophisticated, etc. But, um, the it should have been there should have been more people speaking up. I'm not the only one who understands about neurotropism, okay, and the fact that our molecular biology and neurosciences have been pointing at viruses as potential causal elements in idiopathic neurodegenerative states. And what do we, what do we have? Something killing the young right now at levels that I'm sure will have to be covered up if it continues at the rate it is. You can't have and sustain a 20% increase week on week of your youngest and pr most productive 
members of your society. It's not possible. Coupled that with potential birth rate collapses, and I give you Sweden, exhibit A. Show me a country that has a 50% collapse in birth rates. Show me any time in history where that's happened and it hasn't been followed by implosion of that country and its people. Money before truth. Yes, yes, that's exactly what happened. And radical censorship. And the more outspoken you were, the harder they came for you. And particularly if you were um, public facing, like I was. I'm not the only one, of course, but um, there were <laughs> very, very few speaking up. And, you know, this, it's great. I love the fact that they're still tussling about it being like lab origin. I, I, I appreciate the fight there, but we've moved on. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not moving with the evidence, right, you're um, essentially, oh, you're, you're going to get left behind and you're, um, you're leaving people open to further um, well, abuse, I would say. Uh, Jake Cooey should have been on the team. Instead, he got invested in the Scooby Dooby. Uh, yep. yep. <laughs> he wants him on your team anyway. <laughs> he just uh, he gets stabbed in the back and the kidneys. You feel like, oh, fuck, what was that? All right, uh, let's see. I seriously believe the NIH, CDC, FDA had our best interests at heart despite being seriously suspicious of the government in general. What a wake-up call. That will never go away. <laughs> yeah, you just, uh, you just got bitch-slapped by uh, corporate, corporate interests. And it's those, it's the corporate interests that are... <laughs> such transnationals that want that reduced population. Luxuries for me, but not for the lickspittle. <laughs> so let's get on to uh, this because I'm short of uh, already <laughs> nearly an hour in and uh, I've got much to do today. So post-COVID post COVID dysautonomias, what we know and mainly what we don't know. Uh, let's see. So, boilerplate about COVID being a pandemic, etc. Public health challenge. Pass comes in many forms and affects all body organs. This heterogeneous presentation suggests involvement of the autonomic nervous system. <laughs> I uh, was telling you <laughs> early on. <laughs> Which has numerous roles in the maintenance of homeostasis and coordination of responses to various stresses. Thus far, studies of ANS dysregulation in people with PASC have been largely observational and descriptive based on symptom inventories or objective but indirect measures of cardiovascular function and have paid little attention to the adrenomedullary hormonal and enteric nervous component of the ANS. Such investigations do not consider the syndromic nature of autonomic dysfunction. This review provides an update on the literature relating to ANS abnormalities in people with post-COVID syndrome and presents a theoretical perspective on how the ANS might participate in common features of BASC. <clears throat> Key points. Uh, the diverse nature of post-COVID syndrome suggests involvement of the autonomic nervous system, yep, which plays numerous roles. Yeah, we did that bit. The ANS concept was promulgated before the discoveries of neuroendocrine systems, immune and inflammatory systems, and the central autonomic network. The extended autonomic system theory is a necessary update. 
publications on post-COVID dysautonomias have not considered the syndromic nature of autonomic dysfunctions. Such studies have been largely observational and descriptive based on symptom inventories or objective but indirect cardiovascular measures. The hormonal enteric, enteric sorry, components of the NS have generally been ignored. Understanding of multi-system disorders of regulation, such as post-COVID syndrome, requires a shift towards consideration of the feedback-regulated plastic networks via the extended autonomic system determine homeostasis and allostasis. Ah, let's see. In the wake of COVID-19, pandemic has arisen a group of chronic debilitating conditions var variously referred to as post-COVID syndrome, long COVID, long-haul COVID, or post-acute sequelae of SARS-CoV-2 infection. The heterogeneity of the present presentation suggests involvement of the autonomic nervous system, which plays numerous roles in maintaining homeostasis in mediating coordinated responses to essentially any stressor that challenges homeostasis. For several reasons, PASC has proved frustrating to deal with, clinically, scientifically, and societally. First, PASC comes in many forms and can involve essentially all body organs and systems. Owing to the multi-system and therefore multidisciplinary nature of post-COVID syndrome affected patients, affected patients can fall through the cracks of traditional biomedical enterprise. <laughs> Funny it would be called enterprise. <laughs> I'm all corporate cooming. Ah! Uh, second, the common disabling symptoms and signs of PASC, such as fatigue, cognitive dysfunction, dyspnea on exertion, pain, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, orthostatic hypertension, and gastrointestinal complaints are challenging to understand and treat. Finally, COVID-19 might expose, amplify, or broaden the spectrum of numerous pre-existing conditions, and this possibility is very difficult to evaluate in cross-sectional studies, especially in countries that lack a coordinated medical system from which researchers can cull relevant data. <laughs> what an unfortunate turn of phrase there. <laughs> what do I, why not just say pull? Um, who is this person? Yeah, <laughs> just uh, David S. Goldstein. Should <laughs> we say Freudian slip? All right, uh, I try to be a bit more serious. Uh, let's see. Um, we're talking about culling, right? Uh, 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 uh. The this review provides an update on the literature on PASC and describes how research in this field requires a paradigm shift. And the current emphasis on isolated organs or tissues towards consideration of the feedback-regulated plastic networks that determine homeostasis and allostasis. Such a chain, if needed, such change is needed if we are to understand the underlying pathogenic mechanisms of PASC and to design rational treatments for this condition, as well as other such multi-system, multidisciplinary disorders of regulation. Autonomic nervous system. The ANS concept is a century old and was promulgated before the discoveries of neuroendocrine systems, immune and inflammatory systems, and central autonomic network. The ANS was initially defined as consisting of three parts, sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system, and enteric nervous system. Excuse me. Subsequent discoveries subdivided the sympathetic nervous system into the sympathetic noradrenergic system, the sympathetic adrenergic system and the sympathetic cholinergic symptom system. Activation or inhib inhibition of components of the ANS can produce a variety of bodily effects depending on which ANS components are involved. The clinical manifestations of autonomic dysfunction occur in syndromic patterns, not only in emergencies, but also in activities of daily life, such as orthostasis and motivational and emotional states. 
For instance, PNS inhibition can manifest as dry eyes and mouth, a sense of a racing heart, bloating, inability to digest, urinary retention, constipation, photosensitivity, and erectile failure. Additional signs include decreased lacrimation and salivation, tachycardia, slowed gastrointestinal transit, mydriasis, and decreased gastric acid secretion. So epidemiology. <clears throat> they don't mention the vaccine here at all. Um, of course not. <laughs> the, the, the idea that they would mention that there is this um, crossover, that the molecular biology of these um, reactive epitopes would be maintained is too much. They can't put it in something like nature right now. <laughs> Especially if you're uh, dreaming of culling and uh, <laughs> you, you hail from where the steins are uh, <laughs> a legion. Right, so the incidence and prevalence of post-COVID dysautonomias are not yet known, as no study has yet systematically assessed autonomic functions in a random sample of people after SARS-CoV-2 infection. A large internet-based questionnaire study reported that the past symptoms most commonly reported were fatigue, post-exertional malaise, and cognitive dysfunction. Many other symptoms were recorded to conceivably reflect dysautonomias such as palpitations, tachycardia, chest pain or chest tightness, decreased appetite, nausea, and early satiety. However, this report did not use the terms orthostatic intolerance or pre-syncope. A cross-sectional study used the scales for outcomes in Parkinson's disease, autonomic dysfunction, ah, imagine that, to compare autonomic symptoms in patients with PASC with those in healthy control individuals. Pupillomotor, urinary, and pseudomotor subscores were higher in the PASC group than in the control group, although gastrointestinal, cardiovascular, and sexual subscores were similar in the two groups. However, the SCOPA AUT was originally developed to assess autonomic symptoms related to Parkinson's disease and seems to be unsuitable for identifying the autonomic abnormalities that accompany PASC. For instance, the SCOPA AUT asks about saliva dribbling out of the mouth, but not about dry mouth, and includes excessive sweating, but not lack of sweating. Moreover, the SCOPA AUT does not ask questions about palpitations, chest pain, or the sense of a racing heartbeat, and therefore would probably miss symptomatic POTS. POTS is a prominent topic in the literature on post-COVID dysautonomias. Common symptoms of POTS, such as fatigue, brain fog, headache, neuropathic pain, frequent pre-synscope, gastrointestinal problems, and chronic debility show a clear overlap with those of PASC. Many case reports and case series have noted the new onset of POTS after COVID-19. According to the American Autonomic Society and the European Federation of Autonomic Societies, the past few years have seen a marked increase in referrals to autonomic centres for post-COVID POTS. However, the incidence of POTS after COVID-19 remains unknown. At the 2022 AAS meeting, investigators from Australia reported that 80% of patients with PASC met the diagnostic criteria for POTS. By contrast, researchers from the USA noted that less than 10% of their patients in their long COVID-19 clinic had symptoms suggestive of peripheral neuropathy or autonomic dysfunction. Again, every, every side of the equation in terms of exposure from my experience with people reaching out and contacting me um, has fulfilled these criteria. Um, 
Chris saying, damn dog, I check all those boxes. <laughs> yeah, same, bro. <laughs> right, I don't know about that erectile dysfunction, no. <laughs> I'm a raging stallion, I am. <laughs> all right, so here yeah, we have a box and arrow um, schematic of the uh, autonomic nervous system. All right, so signs and symptoms. Given the multiple components of the autonomic system and the contribution, oh, sorry, and the distribution of autonomic nerves to all body organs, post-COVID, this autonomia can be expected to have a wide variety of symptoms. A large-scale study from Scotland on the outcomes of people who completed symptom questionnaires after COVID-19 reported that common post-COVID-19 symptoms occurred in neurological and or mental health, confusion, cardiorespiratory breathlessness, and cardiovascular chest pain and palpitation domains increased univariate odds ratios versus never infected individuals were noted for palpitations and breathlessness as well as for confusion or difficulty with concentration. Other symptoms with increased odds ratios that were potentially relevant to autonomic dysfunction were chest pain, muscle aches and or weakness, joint pain, headache, anxious or depressed feelings and a combined category of dizziness, blackouts or fits. Apart from constipation, gastrointestinal complaints were no more common in the long COVID group than they were in never infected individuals. Finally, a retrospective analysis of data from young adults divided into case and control groups according to whether they had tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 infection found that fatigue was present in 80%, orthostatic intolerance 50%, and POTS in 35% of the post-COVID group. Studies of post-COVID dysautonomia symptoms have often relied on COMPASS 31, the 31-item composite autonomic symptom scales, which includes domains for orthostatic intolerance, skin colour, pseudomotor function, gastrointestinal function, dry mouth and or eyes, pupillomotor function and urinary symptoms. However, because Compass 31 was validated for the assessment of patients with autonomic failure, it does not include domains relating to very common and highly debilitating symptoms of autonomic dysfunction, such as those that occur in individuals with POTS, including exercise intolerance, dyspnea on exertion, fatigue, including post-exertion malaise, cognitive dysfunction, palpitations, racing heart, or chest pain. Studies based on Compass 31 do find that orthostatic intolerance is a common feature. In one such study of 320 patients with post-COVID syndrome, 92% had gastrointestinal symptoms, 76% had secretomotor symptoms, and 74% had orthostatic intolerance. Another study reported that 36% of patients with PASC had neuropathic and or autonomic complaints. In one large online survey that used the total COMPASS 31 score as a global assessment of autonomic dysfunction, Excuse me. 66% of patients with PASC were classified as having moderate to severe autonomic dysfunction. A group from State University of New York, Upstate Medical University, reported high frequencies of gastrointestinal secretomotor or orthostatic intolerance among patients with long COVID assessed with Compass 31. Researchers from Milan, Italy, reported that 30% of working age patients with PASC experienced an increase in their Compass 31 score by six months after hospital discharge, and that orthostatic intolerance was the most frequently reported symptom domain. What about objective laboratory findings? Perhaps one of the most important problems with the research so far on post-COVID dysautonomia is the scarcity of objective clinical laboratory tests and normative values for variables that are potentially relevant to post-COVID dysautonomia symptoms. 
Different academic medical centers also have different research aims and patient referral patterns and applied disparate batteries of autonomic function tests. A major challenge lies in deciding which laboratory tests are most informative, feasible and cost effective. The 2022 AAS meeting revealed a remarkable lack of consensus on the objective measures of autonomic dysfunction used to assess patients with PASC. This heterogeneity might account for the differences in autonomic symptom frequencies reported by different groups. For example, researchers from the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center reported minimal objective evidence of autonomic dysfunction in patients with long COVID based on the occurrence of neurogenic orthostatic hypertension or length-dependent pseudomodia cardiovagal sympathetic vasomotor or post-ganglionic pseudomotor impairment. By contrast, researchers from Hackensack University Medical Center stated that nearly all study participants with PASC had orthostatic intolerance described by the researchers as suggestive of autonomic dysfunction on head-up tilt-table testing. A group from the University of Washington noted that their patients with PASC had a high prevalence of symptoms that commonly associated with increased peripheral and central adrenergic signaling, and moreover that these symptoms co-occur with and are strongly related to the overall symptom burden of these individuals. In a study that compared patients with PASC who did and did not report fatigue, no difference in values for several cardiovascular... What do we have here? Eh, I'm I'm not going to go through the schematics of the uh, autonomic nervous system. Um, oh, it's it's complex. Lickspills, trust me. <laughs> um, we'll just go through the text, and I'll I'll give commentary where I think um appropriate. Um, I'm very conscious of my time this morning. So physiological indices were found between the two groups. Although symptoms of orthostatic intolerance were reported by 70% of the fatigue group during active standing, the researchers were not able to identify any physiological abnormalities linked to this symptom. A retrospective analysis of data from patients referred to the Johns Hopkins Autonomic Clinic for either POTS or PASC found that the POTS and PASC groups were similar to each other but differed from a control group of healthy volunteers. Patients with PASC showed substantial orthostatic intolerance during head-up tilting and 64% of this group met the diagnostic criteria for POTS. Approximately 50% of patients in the PASC and POTS group had decreased numbers of epidermal small caliber C and A delta nerve fibers. Sorry, gamma. Uh, Nerve fibers, whereas sweat gland innervation was normal in both groups. Mayo Clinic investigators have published autonomic function data obtained from patients with post COVID syndrome referred for symptoms suggestive of autonomic dysfunction. The tests used to assess these patients have been standard at the Mayo Clinic for many years. Abnormal pseudomotor function was reported in 36%, abnormal cardiovagal function in 27%, and abnormal cardiovascular adrenergic function in 7% of this group. However, although some patients had excessive orthostatic tachycardia, the majority had normal findings on tilt-table testing, despite their orthostatic symptoms. Um, What I will do is um, just keep an eye on the chat um to see johnny says i'm a med prof and still fell for it um yeah you mean the the game that they played well that was (laughs) that's that's how advanced the weaponry was that was deployed against you um at least you figured it out uh let's see dysautonomia 
Yes, thank you for the definition there. Anything about growing a third testicle? Um, no, uh, but uh, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe that's a, a, a bonus. Doesn't it go along with the bonus hole? All right, uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Prison prion for everyone. <laughs> yes, I guess. Uh, let's see. Anyone else having issues with Rumble? Um, yeah, Rumble seems flaky. Um, the numbers were a little um, slow. It seems to uh, have stabilized somewhat. But um, yeah, you should be watching on wetalkyoulisten.com for a superior audio and visual experience. Um, support a doc. <laughs> and let's just see if anyone is uh, is supporting the doc, uh, despite... Uh, instead of just Danger Mouse and uh, Bean Lord. Uh, oh, I want to say thank you too. Uh, oh, I think, let's see how close we are to... Uh, uh, nearly, nearly there. Come on, we need uh, 40 more bucks so I can pay that blick. <laughs> Come on! Alex Mills! <laughs> so, heart rate variability. So many studies of cardiovascular dysautonomias in patients with PASC have assessed measures of heart rate variability. Patients with PASC often show evidence of decreased HERV in the time domain or decreased high-frequency power in the frequency domain, although this is not a universal finding. Most patients with PASC in the Johns Hopkins study had normal HRV, uh, heart rate variability, and normal blood pressure responses to the Valsalva maneuver. <laughs> What's a Valsalva maneuver? That's uh, that's a new one to me. Uh, I, I'm I'm intrigued. <laughs> just just bear with me. Valsalva maneuver. Uh, the Valsalva maneuver is forced expiration against a closed glottis. It mimics many normal, in some cases, routine activities, such as a straining during a defecation. <laughs> blowing up a balloon or playing the uh, saxophone. <laughs> uh, it's a big problem in Japan. Too much, uh, too much of that uh, white sticky rice gunks up your pipes. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, Jimmy John says, Kevy boy is glowing. <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's not that type of uh, sexual harassment off. I will not stand for it. Casual sexual harassment. How dare you? All right. Uh when you hold your nose and blow uh, now I know <laughs> I'm just going to think of it as uh, straining for a shit but <laughs> that's just me <laughs> where were we Vasalva maneuver okay so in a study of patients post-covid with and without fatigue who were compared with a healthy control group the fatigue and non-fatigued past groups showed similar values for a particular type of HRV occurring during orthostasis multi-parameter artificial intelligence driven index calculated from extracted physiological signals by a pain monitoring system. 
trying to the study of patients with post-COVID with and without fatigue compared the fatigued and non-fatigued past groups showed similar values for a particular type of heart rate variability occurring during orthostasis. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of what um, Charles is is suffering from right now, and um, <laughs> no. fit ex marines never used to just. <laughs> Get fucking <laughs> dysautonomia um, after uh, a flu season. <laughs> this is it's kind of a sort of standout symptom, um, particularly when the uh, prevalence is so high. Um, anyway, so where were we? So the abnormal heart rate results suggest an attenuation of baroreflex and/or cardiovascular function in patients with PASC, which also found in other pathophysiological states such as hypertension, heart failure, anxiety, and Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. A single report of a patient with PASC and evidence of afferent baroreflex failure seems to be uncharacteristic. Short-term electrocardiographic recordings obtained in an asymptomatic post-COVID group and uninfected control group of individuals showed decreased heart rate variability in the time domain and an increased ratio of low-frequency power to high-frequency power in the frequency domain in the post-COVID group. Although values for the non-normalized low-frequency power and high-frequency power were not reported in this study. These results suggest that having had COVID-19 decreases heart rate variability even in fully recovered individuals. Another group reported that measures of aortic stiffness, ventricular and arterial functional impairment, and left ventricular myocardial dysfunction after COVID-19 were associated with decreased heart rate vari variability, which the researchers attributed to sympathetic drive activation. Of note, no indices based on heart rate variability in either the time or frequency domains have been validated for the purpose of assessing cardiac sympathetic outflow. However, Low-frequency power could provide an index of the capacity to modulate cardiac autonomic outflows via baroreflexes. One such study compared indices of heart rate variability at rest and during exercise in three groups of individuals, patients who tested positive for and had symptoms of COVID-19, asymptomatic individuals who tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 infection, and individuals who tested negative for SARS-CoV-2 infection. For exercise, the three groups did not differ in heart rate variation in the time or frequency domains. During exercise, the symptomatic group had lower heart rate variation in the time domain than the other two groups. In the frequency domain, the groups did not differ in either high frequency or low frequency power. Although the data so far point to abnormal HRV values that reflect baroreflex and cardiovagal dysfunction in patients with PASC, the functional implications of this finding in terms of the clinical manifestations of PASC remain poorly understood. Essentially, any chronic illness or distressing condition might be expected to inhibit baroreflex and cardiovagal function and therefore affect HRV in the time domain and high frequency power in the frequency domain. One mechanism for this inhibition could be activation of the paraventricular nucleus of the hypothalamus, which can decrease the firing of single units in the nucleus tractus solitarius. Chronotropic incompetence. Um, so something to do with <laughs> time here. Chronotropic incompetence. Um, let me find out the exact definition for that chronotropic incompetence uh, is generally defined as the inability to increase heart rate adequately during exercise to match cardiac output to metabolic demands. 
<laughs> essentially uh, heart failure. Uh, so, has been a subnormal heart rate response to exercise. Well, I just had to read a bit further. <laughs> has been reported in 12.5% of patients with exercise intolerance or fatigue after COVID-19. An analogous study reported an increased frequency of blunted heart rate increases and augmented blood pressure increases during treadmill exercise in patients with PASC compared to healthy control individuals without a history of COVID-19 vaccination or COVID-19 infection. Arterial stiffening. Aortic pulse wave velocity and brachial pulse wave velocity, two measures of arterial stiffness, differ between individuals with a history of COVID-19 and match control participants. The PASS group had higher values suggestive of increased arterial stiffness at 12 days to two weeks after the onset of COVID-19. A separate study reported similar results in women with PASC. Increased carotid femoral pulse wave velocity for a given amount of left ventricular global longitudinal strain, another measure of arterial stiffening, has also been found in patients post-COVID. Although arterial stiffening is an early manifestation of atherosclerosis, which implies that patients with PASCs might develop chronic vascular architectural changes, arterial stiffening can also occur as an acute process. For instance, injections of drugs that evoke diffuse... Uh, arteriolar constriction or dilation produces transient changes in indices of arterial stiffness, which implies that such acute vascular responses cannot be ruled out as a cause of the apparently increased arterial stiffness seen in patients with PASC. Um, just bear with me. I think, Yeah, um, <laughs> there's a this is a long way to go, and um, the doc is just gonna take a quick uh, bathroom break. I'll be I'll be back uh, momentarily. Um, this and uh, see you in a minute, folks. <laughs> we'll we'll read more about um, how messed up or how they've messed up so many people.
Oh no! <laughs> Sorry, I have the uh, <laughs> have the uh, sound turned off on the. I apologise for that, people. <laughs> the inappropriate coma there. Let me just turn down the. Uh... I blame that bitch Newland. Uh... <laughs> she did that. <laughs> Zog's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I was just taking a break, Johnny. <laughs> All right, uh, dump money on Doc, like how Vince shits on whore Israeli Mossad inserts. Yeah, make me cough up me, uh, me vape goy slop. Uh, <clears throat> All right. Uh, where were we? Uh, everybody has a cough congestion or something. Yeah, I mean, I've got slight um, nose block. Yes, bit bit chesty at the moment, but uh, that's uh, it's probably to do with my rampant vaping. <laughs> anything else? All right. So where were we? Roll up, in the chat. Good to see you, bro. Uh, da, 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 da. Where were we? Mm, sympathetic noradrenergic activity. So pulse synchronous perineal muscle sympathetic outflow measurements. Poof. That's a start to a sentence. From otherwise healthy young adults with PASC three to eight weeks after testing positive for SARS-CoV-2 were compared with similar data from historic control group of individuals assessed before the pandemic. The PASC group had elevated skeletal muscle sympathetic outflow during supine rest. Responses to head up tilt were similar in the PASC and control groups. After about six months of follow up, symptoms had generally receded in the PASC group, but their skeletal muscle sympathetic outflow during supine rest was still increased compared with the control group. A study that compared plasma levels of catecholamine during supine rest and the head up tilt table testing in patients with PASC versus those in a historical cohort of healthy volunteers assessed before the pandemic found that the two groups did not differ in the magnitude of increases in plasma noradrenaline or adrenaline during orthostasis. What a sort of counterintuitive finding. But um, why? Why if the muscle is... Mm. Anyway, by contrast, two studies have reported augmented pressor responses to head up tilt in patients with PASC. Augmented vascular responses related to endothelial dysfunction is a feature of PASC that also occurs in acute COVID-19. A prospective cohort study from Greece reported improved but still subnormal brachial arterial flow mediated vasodilation six months after hospitalization for COVID-19. Moreover, a study from Scotland found reduced endothelium-independent relaxation in ex vivo small arteries dissected from gluteal subcutaneous biopsy samples obtained greater than three months after these patients were hospitalized with COVID-19. Bi biopsy samples from these patients also showed immunohistochemical evidence of increased vascular fibrosis and increased phosphorylation of myosin light chain. These data suggest that reduced small artery relaxation in patients with PASC involves both endothelial dysfunction and pathological changes in vascular architecture. Mm, not good. <coughs> not good at all. Um, sympathetic cholinergic activity. So this, this one is of particular interest because 
we want to know about those um, <laughs> venom-like uh, epitopes. A small study investigated individuals who had undergone autonomic function testing prior to COVID-19 pandemic and who all developed new or worsened symptoms of orthostatic intolerance after COVID-19. These individuals had normal or unchanged parasympathetic cholinergic function as assessed by uh, heart rate variation during deep breathing and the Valsalva maneuver. Uh, <laughs> get that last chunk out. Come on, work with me. <laughs> However, results on the quantitative pseudomotor axon reflex, which measures the autonomic nerves that control sweating, showed that all these patients had sympathetic cholinergic impairment. In a study of patients referred for persistent myalgia, pain, or muscle cramps about six months after SARS-CoV-2 infection, electromyography revealed no evidence of myopathy or large fiber neuropathy, but skin sympathetic responses, which depend on sympathetic cholinergic innervation, were not recordable from lower limbs in 58% of patients and were not recordable from the upper limbs in 25% of patients. Wow, that's quite the number. So this if anyone has watched the presentations given by the Japanese um, doctors, there's one who was um, had well, he was an epi uh, epi what's the word I'm looking for? Epi skin doctor. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. And uh, he showed that there was um, blocking of sweat glands via spike protein very very interestingly and was had very very nice data um backing up his assertion and um this it just makes me wonder how much the distribution in the skin and you know but if you've got detectable spike protein there this was in response to vaccination Um, how strong, how strong that impact would be on cholinergic nerve endings. One has to, <laughs> in this instance, it seems um, quite <laughs> severely uh, strong if they get such uh, large numbers, unable to show um, cholinergic innovation to the skin. Piece by piece, the jigsaw comes together. By contrast, a different study found that skin sympathetic responses did not differ between patients with persistent post-COVID symptoms and control individuals without a history of SARS-CoV-2 infection. However, skin sympathetic response latencies were longer and the cross-sectional area of the vagus nerve, calculated from ultrasonographic imaging, was smaller in the post-COVID group than in the control group. Among 106 post-COVID patients with high Compass 31 and modified Toronto neuropathy symptom scores, 36% had neuropathic or autonomic complaints or both associated with fatigue and headache. Among 14 of these 38 patients who underwent electrophysiological evaluation, no differences were found. Punch um, of uh, heart rate and blood pressure measures there. Um, there are areas where you're seeing <laughs> some significant differences. Um, you know, and sort of autonomic functions are 
one of those things that you know, it's kind of hard to fake. Right? You either have them or you or you don't. And you know, when uh, there's not much sort of um, argument when you get such large differences here. Um, again, uh, I haven't dug into how robust the data is, etc. But um, I'm a, I'm a believer in uh, that post-COVID state. Well, I, I'm a believer in post-viral states. Put it put it that way. Um, is is the COVID one that much different? I think just the scale of it is different um, in terms of uh, I don't know. I mean, in MECFS, the it 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 would cluster in fatigue and pain. It I, I, it wasn't common to have not in my recollection to um to see these such strong autonomic disturbances i'm sure they're in there but um you know, the fact that this is a standard standout symptom and uh, it, it merits a uh, a, a review in nature reviews neurology um you know kind of i'm inclined to lean into that data somewhat Uh, what is the end game? <laughs> just less of you. That's the end game. <laughs> they just want less of you and more for them. That's what they want. Uh, right, dermatologist, thank you, Volpodge. Thank <laughs> 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 you, skin doctors. Johnny says, 27 of the 30 U.S. cabinet positions are either headed by dual citizen Jews or their deputy directories. I can't stop ruminating over this. Yeah. Listen, my American cousins, uh, <laughs> it's time to find out the power behind the crown. And, uh, you know, you might want to think about your 21st century equivalent of uh, 1776. Um, this is 1776. Am I, am I mixing up my history there? Isn't that the Declaration of Independence? Anyway, no doubt someone will correct me. <laughs> no, it was. All right, where were we? Sympathetic adrenergic activity. So plasma adrenal levels measured during head up, up tilt table. Didn't we read this? Hmm. Maybe not. Uh, da, 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 da. Tilt table testing in patients with PASC revealed that these patients had normal adrenaline responses to orthostasis compared to a historical control group of healthy volunteers. Um, bust out the bean meal makers. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, sometimes being lured. Enteric nervous system. Several researchers have suggested that the enteric nervous system could be a route of entry for SARS-CoV-2 into the body. Yeah, no shit. However, no report has yet addressed enteric nervous system function in patients with PASC. Unfortunate. Uh, let's see. Postural orthostatic so POTS, or orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So the potential pathological mechanism of post-COVID POTS include direct SARS-CoV-2 invasion of the hypothalamus or medulla 
Autoimmune responses involving autoantibodies against various receptors and glycoproteins expressed on cell membranes, persistent inflammation and hypoxia, which promotes sympathetic activation and renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system imbalance, which can downregulate relevant receptors and promote the formation of autoantibodies. A study that compared patients with either PASC or POTS with healthy control individuals analyzed networks constructed from survey data, various tests for dysautonomia, deep breathing, straining for that <laughs> morning glory. Uh, yeah, that's not morning. <laughs> well, that, that means something else for me in English, but, uh, you know. <laughs> the, uh, the movement of the, of the, uh, the body internal of a morning or when, whenever it is that you go. All right, uh, Valsalva maneuver, <laughs> pseudomotor testing, uh, head up tilt with tracking of heart rate, blood pressure, and uh, I lost my place, uh, cerebral blood flow, velocity, and capnography, evidence of small fiber neuropathy in skin biopsy samples and inflammatory marker levels. Most patients in the PASC and POTS group had reduced orthostatic cerebral blood flow velocity, epidermal or sweat gland, small fiber neuropathy, evidence of dysautonomia, hypercapnia, and elevated levels of inflammatory markers. Moreover, patients with PASC could be distinguished from those with POTS by vascular and inflammatory variables. For the vascular variables, the researchers calculated percentage values for relative contributions of hypocapnia and cerebral autoregulatory failure to the orthostatic drop in cerebral blood flow viscosity. All right, that'll give you brain fog, all right? In individuals with neuropathic POTS, extracardiac autonomic denervation is thought to induce an excessive compensatory activation of SNS, which was sympathetic nervous system, I guess, outflows to the heart. Extracardiac autonomic neuropathy is mainly identified using the QSART and immunostaining of skin biopsy samples for the panaxonal marker PGP 9.5, which reveals epidermal small fiber neuropathy. The QSAR assesses the integrity of sympathetic cholinergic innervation by examining dermal SNS innervated structures such as erector pili muscles, blood vessels and sweat glands. Accordingly, immunohistochemical measures of PGP 9.5 within these SNS innervated structures or immunohistochemical measurements of tyrosine hydroxylase or dopamine beta hydroxylase which specifically indicate sympathetic noradrenergic fibers could be used to investigate whether neuropathic POTS is associated with extracardiac sympathetic noradrenergic denervation. Oh, these uh, <laughs> these uh, autonomic nervous system papers, right tongue twisters. All right, no study has yet. Uh, why, why am I suddenly, have I just made it smaller? Yes. No study has yet used these tools to determine whether neuropathic POTS is a distinct nosological entity. However, one patient with neuropathic POTS and an abnormal QSART result had normal epidermal small fibers. This patient had an abnormal blood pressure pattern in late phase 2 of the Valsalva maneuver indicative of sympathetic vasomotor impairment. However, this patient also had prolonged pressure recovery. Time after release of the maneuver, a sensitive index of baroreflex and sympathoneuronal dysfunction was not reported. Um, you see, what I take from just you know, going through this right now and um, the fact that it is so heterogeneous in its presentation 
um, you know, and that's likely just because of the large exposure that did take place. Um, you're as a patient, you're probably going to struggle when dealing with your average NHS prescription writer or whatever. You're dealing with the VA for medical care. Now, if you can afford um, $50,000 a year medical insurance and the best that money can buy, um, you're probably in a better place. But um, something where it's so again difficult to plot around uh let's see i need someone to correct me in the chat 1776 it got lit 1786 was the constitution which was a rothschild coup thank you thank you thank you uh roller project for the history lesson much appreciated <laughs> uh did do Let's see. Gotta match the DOD's guillotines. What? <laughs> Let's try and avoid those. <laughs> I did some tracking of genomic evolution in the 90s. Says Grout Guppy. Federalists were cunts for the most part. Articles of the Confederation Enjoyer. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, you Americans sort that out between yourselves. Uh, no doubt the most virile doc still gets morning glories. Ah, those were the days. <laughs> have we ever had a virus do dramatic shifts as SARS 2 has, or have we had slow mo drifts like the flu? The latter would be true, not the former. Um, I, I, I mean. <laughs> short of i've never lived through a biowarfare assault like uh, like we've witnessed in the last four years i'm not sure any of the normal metrics that we'd use actually apply and you can see how that's translating into this review paper it's all over the shop with respect to being able to classify symptoms yeah sure people are clustering but it's um you know how how to get that information relayed to, like I say, most, most of us are just going to be on the short end of the, <laughs> the prescription pen as the doctor just thinks, oh, I just got to shut this person up. You probably get prescribed some SSRIs. I mean, if you're in someone like Charles, somewhat like Charles, and you've got severe um, dysautonomia um, manifesting as um, blood pressure abnormalities and heart rate variabilities then the therapies can be more targeted but the the autonomic side of it there's there's not a whole lot we're not very good at the um modulation yeah there are course tools you could use anticholinergics i guess um but in terms of monoamines, mm, I'm struggling to really sort of think of knockdown therapies that would be used.
how about SARS-1? Um, SARS-1, well, I mean, it erupted and then just became endemic, I guess. It's part of the background of viruses that we, that, well, you know, there's, there's plenty of evidence pointing to um, malfeasance in that space as well. Um, again, I'm, I'm refused to trust that branch of science. I refuse to trust anyone who's been trying to gaslight us with information with respect to ah, go back to sleep leg spell get back in your kill box <laughs> don't you dare look at that scientific data um <laughs> yeah i don't like i said i don't i don't have a touchstone for what it is that we've gone through and what suddenly suddenly the we were plagued with all this MECFS before um um dysautonomia and we just weren't picking it up maybe um i i, I doubt it though um because you've you push people into a dysautonomic state and that, like I said, there's multiple mechanisms through which to do that. You would, there would be a fingerprint of it. And what we have to account for now is why, why the excess deaths. And if all this that we're looking at here, let's just hypothetically say, if all this was um, entirely down to viral exposure, which I don't think it is. I don't think anyone in their right mind would look at the data that we do have and the um, the timing of it and and believe that. But it in this instance, let, let let's just say it was the virus that was doing this. Your <laughs> you would. You would have to presume that the medical systems and the statisticians and whatever else with respect to large-scale population monitoring just have completely missed this huge cohort before. And I, I don't think that that's possible, especially with something so striking as dysautonomia. I really don't. Um, anyway, let's uh, move on. So, do, 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 do. Uh, measures of autonomic function, orthostatic changes in cerebral blood flow velocity, and end tidal carbon dioxide levels all differed in patients with PASC or POTS from those in healthy control individuals. The PASC and POTS group had larger orthostatic decrease in cerebral blood flow velocity than did the control group. The PASC group also differed from the POTS group, which showed increased carbon dioxide exhalation during orthostasis finding interpreted to reflect hyperventilation. Interesting. As I sit here with my uh, pectoralis angina now, <laughs> just thinking, uh. <laughs> In the past group, the orthostatic reduction in cerebral blood flow velocity was observed in patients both with and without concurrent excessive orthostatic tachycardia. 
in this study, dysautonomia was defined using a quantitative scale for grading of cardiovascular autonomic reflex tests and small fibers from skin biopsies, QASAT. This instrument grades the severity of dysautonomia based on cardiovascular indices, cerebral blood flow, including cerebral autoregulation and vasoreactivity, and small fiber neuropathy. QASAT defined dysautonomia was found in all individuals with PASC or POTS, although dysautonomia symptoms were milder in individuals with PASC than in those with POTS. In both groups, the majority of participants had small fiber neuropathy and increased levels of inflammatory markers. So inflammation and or autoimmunity. Uh, so, uh, as the doc uh, repeatedly says, a considerable overlap in symptoms is evidence between PASC and myalgic encephalomyelitis, also known as chronic fatigue syndrome. Some researchers have posited that complex regional pain syndrome, fibromyalgia, myalgic encephalomyelitis, or CFS symptoms related to silicone breast implants, who are, um, ladies, you don't need them. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Dudes don't care. <laughs> we can tell they're fake. Let's see. Uh, let's see. And PASC can be broadly grouped together as autoimmune or autonomic dysfunction syndromes. An exploratory study compared the levels of several natural regulatory autoantibodies that target G-protein-coupled receptors in 80 patients with PASC, 40 of whom also fulfilled the diagnostic criteria for chronic fatigue syndrome. With those in 38 healthy anti-SARS-CoV-2 seronegative control participants and 40 asymptomatic individuals post-COVID. In general, the patients with PASC had decreased levels of regulatory autoantibodies and the strongest associations between regulatory autoantibody levels and disease outcomes involved autoantibodies against beta-2 adrenoreceptors, stable in one, alpha-2A adrenoreceptors. Levels of several regulatory autoantibodies correlated with symptom severity in people with PASC. In particular, increased severity of fatigue and vasomotor symptoms was positively associated with beta-2 adrenoreceptor autoantibody levels in patients with PASC or CFS. Of note, the detection of autoantibodies in patients with PASC does not imply that these autoantibodies are functionally relevant. In theory, their pathogenetic relevance could be investigated by selective removal of circulating autoantibodies using an immunoaffinity approach, but such studies have not yet been done. However, given that alpha-2 adrenoreceptors inhibit and beta-2 adrenoreceptors promote noradrenaline release from sympathetic nerves in humans, these results arouse interest in a potential therapeutic role for the modulation of immune-mediated regulation of presynaptic amine release in patients with PASC. Mm, I wonder, I wonder, I don't know enough about systemic drugs to do that. I'm kind of interested now. Uh, systemic. amine. Basis of catecholamine therapy. Mm, I mean, that in my mind. 
you know, a lot of this just seems like <laughs> you know, um, things that would be, well, I guess the antagonist, but that they would use like beta blockers and stuff. Catecholamine drugs. Heart disease. Mm, yeah, sure. Some ephedrine, no adrenaline. I didn't say anything about it. Yeah, so beta blockers. Mm. Yeah, these are, these are Richard questions. <laughs> <laughs> It's the extensive phenotyping of blood and cerebral spinal fluid samples from a comprehensively studied group of hospital inpatients with PASC showed evidence of unique intrathecal oligoclonal bands in 25% of these patients, compared with healthy volunteers' immunophenotype before COVID-19 pandemic. Patients with PASC who had neurological symptoms had lower frequencies of effector and memory CD4 and CD8 T-cell phenotypes an increased frequency of antibody-secreting beta cells and an increased frequency of various immune cell types expressing immune checkpoint molecules. A prospective study that compared biomarkers of cellular and humoral immunity in individuals with and without PASC after COVID-19 found no difference between the PASC and non-PASC group in terms of their elevated levels of multiple tested cytokines and chemokines. These findings reinforce the importance of including a control group that has fully recovered from COVID-19 in studies of patients with PASC because these results indicate that similar immune responses to the virus may occur independently of PASC. However, a multiplex analysis revealed an increase in IL-4 level in patients with PASC compared to controls that was not seen in the non-PASC group. IL-4 exerts several immunological effects and is produced mainly by mast cells helper type 2 cells, isonophils, and basophils. <clears throat> Effect of predisposing factors. Um, findings from a few studies raise the possibility that factors such as decreased heart rate variability that were present in individuals before the pandemic could either predict or predispose individuals to worse post-COVID-19 outcomes. Among Italian undergraduate students who have participated in a study of stress symptoms and HRV before the pandemic and underwent repeat testing after 12 months of follow-up, the main findings were that, although the mean HRV remained within normal limits in this group, pre-pandemic low HRV and expressive suppression interacted to predict COVID... I wonder why the font is messed up there, but... Yeah, never mind. Um, interacted to predict COVID-19-related symptoms... Of post-traumatic stress disorder, a finding of increased heart rate reactivity to acute psychological stress in individuals assessed before the pandemic predicted higher levels of post-traumatic stress disorder symptom during the pandemic. You know, um, if you're of a nervous disposition, um, this makes sense. Um, but yeah, are we are we looking at a sort of wave of PTSD due to <laughs> just a, the torrid ass kicking you get um, should should you get a bad case of COVID? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. 
I don't know. I don't know if it, it, it would really class medically. It would be classed as that. No, I, I suppose. I suppose medical emergencies do do count for PTSD. What am I saying? All right. Um, um, somewhat analogously, in a different study, the degree of respiratory sinus arrhythmia in healthy seated individuals at rest was positively correlated with negative mood regulation expectancy, and this parameter in turn predicted well-being during the pandemic. A retrospective study of young adults divided into case and control groups based on whether they had ever tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 infection found that the two groups did not differ in indices of heart rate variation in the time or frequency domains, but the subgroup of participants with post-COVID symptoms had low parasympathetic reactivity indicated by their attenuated heart rate responses to deep breathing and the Valsalva maneuver. So potential treatment options. Several therapies seem sufficiently supported by pilot studies or case series to justify the implementation of clinical trials. For example, 62 interventional studies related to post-COVID-19 syndrome and PASC are listed on clinicaltrials.gov as currently recruiting participants. Several investigators Investigators have attempted to treat PASC using treatments that target autoimmunity, for example, intravenous immunoglobulin. One case report described a patient with post-COVID orthostatic cerebral hypoperfusion and small fiber neuropathy who benefited from IVIG treatment. A patient with post-COVID dysautonomia and Miller-Fisher syndrome, a rare form of Guillain-Barre syndrome characterized by ophthalmoplegia, ataxia, and tendon areflexia, who tested positive for anti-ganglioside antibodies improved with IVIG treatment. A pediatric patient with severe debilitating PASC also experienced improvement with IVIG treatment. Quantitative measures of improvement were not reported. Patient with orthostatic hypotension and recurrent falls after COVID-19 infection was treated successfully with a combination of oral alpha-1 adrenoreceptor agonist midridine and the synthetic mineralocorticoid fludrocortisone, which has pressor effects derived from plasma volume expansion and increased alpha-adrenoceptor sensitivity. Similarly, beta-adrenoceptor blockade was associated with symptom improvement at telephone follow-up in four or five patients referred for post-COVID tachycardia, palpitations, chest pain, or orthostatic intolerance. However, most of these treated patients had ongoing symptoms at follow-up. Treatment with flu fludrocortisone and mydridin is recommended for PASC-related orthostatic intolerance, whereas noradrenaline reuptake inhibitors such as duloxetine, nortriptyline, and tampentadol are relatively contraindicated in this setting owing to the possibility that these agents could exacerbate orthostatic tachycardia. Another case report described a patient with post-COVID POTS, exertional tachycardia and post-exertional fatigue who was treated successfully with a combination of ivabrading, an antagonist of hyperpolarization activated cyclic nucleotide-gated channels, and midridine. Um, for those with uh, of these uh, dysautonomias, uh, get down to your doctor and uh, take notes because um, I only have this article on rent. Um, I won't remember those. Um, I mean, beta blockers, yeah. I mean, ACE2 inhibitors have worked. Clonidine, I guess. Um, 
non-pharmacological treatment. Yeah, we don't care about those. <laughs> Literally, f- feedback. Um, get your breathing under control. Uh, several case reports show that stellate ganglion blockade with local anesthetic bupivacaine can alleviate post-COVID-19 anosmia and dysgeusia, past-related fatigue, post-exertional malaise, shortness of breath, gastrointestinal symptoms, and various other post-COVID symptoms. Um, I'm trying to imagine that having, I mean, that would wear off within hours. But the beneficial effects of stellate ganglion blockade were sustained for two months in one of these patients. <laughs> um, long after the blockade itself would have worn off. Yes. The authors of this study, who were employed by a plain clinic that offers stellate ganglion block, among other services, speculated that the mechanism of this sustained benefit might involve local recalibration of regional sympathetic influences central integration of the effects of increased cerebral blood flow or a rebalancing of interactions between the nervous and immune systems. Mm. Off just a nerve block. Temporary one. Maybe. I I mean, these are such low-quality data sources to be pulling from. Um, It's hard to say what works and doesn't here. So cardiovascular rehabilitation programs stimulate the peripheral nervous system, improve cardiorespiratory fitness, and reduce cardiovascular risk factors, hospitalization rates, and cognitive impairment in patients with cardiovascular diseases. Accordingly, such programs could have a role in attenuation of cardiovascular features of PASC. However, despite substantial interest in non-pharmacological therapies for post-viral syndromes, including PASC, robust evidence of their efficacy is so far absent. Treatment with antioxidant ethyl-methyl-hydroxypyridine succinate can decrease the symptoms of post-COVID asthenia. This study assessed the autonomic function of participants using Curdo Autonomics Index, in which values greater than zero, considered to indicate a predominance of sympathetic excitatory influence over parasympathetic influences in ANS activity. However, the KAI was developed to assess the effects of injected adrenaline and other vasoactive drugs. The author's knowledge has not been validated by comparisons with other measures of sympathetic outflow, such as noradrenaline spillover and skeletal muscle sympathetic nerve traffic. <laughs> There's not much for them to be going on here, uh, I'm afraid. That's, that's, that's my take from this. So let's see what their long-term outlook says. Despite the scattered nature of the data, yeah, you're telling me, the general impression gained from the literature is that autonomic abnormalities persist in a substantial portion of patients with PASC. An online survey found that most patients with a diagnosis of PASC reported prolonged multi-system involvement and substantial disability, mainly resulting from systemic and neurological or cognitive symptoms. However, people who had recovered fully from acute COVID-19 might be less likely to participate in such surveys, which might therefore overestimate the extent of long-term debility. In a group of patients hospitalized for COVID-19, who were assessed at the time of discharge and two months later, orthostatic hypertension and POTS had largely resolved by the post-discharge follow-up, although two patients, both over 65 years old, still have POTS symptoms and signs. Testing of aortic pulse wave velocity and brachial pulse wave velocity in patients post-COVID showed that baroreflex and cardiovagal gain had both improved by 48 weeks of follow-up. 
However, mean aortic pulse wave velocity was still elevated in the subgroup of patients with PASC. The potential role, and, and the other, th you know, once once your autonomic nervous system has been shunted in this way, you know, people are gonna, uh, how should we say, uh, you're you're closer to tripping over the edge of uh, serious cardiovascular events, and there may there just may be a whole bunch of people just not not quite getting the signals that their autonomic nervous system is saying to them, particularly because if they're young. And you just uh, you just push a little bit too hard on the uh, accelerator, and uh, yeah, you you keel over. All right. So the potential role of allostasis. Well, I thought we were at the end of this article. <laughs> Not nearly. <laughs> uh, so um, anyway, uh, allostasis, homeostasis. Anyway, that, that's what that means. So why some people recover fully from COVID-19 and others develop persistent post-COVID-19 syndrome remains unclear. However, application of the concepts of the extended autonomic system, dyshomeostasis and allostasis to post-COVID-19 syndrome could yield testable hypotheses about the pathophysiological mechanisms underlying PASC. The four components of the extended autonomic nervous system are linked by six possible bidirectional interactions. The causative negative feedback loops. This network of bidirectional interactions provides the foundation for homeostasis. Most research in integrative physiology focuses on reflex regulatory processes that involve negative feedback loops. However, in humans, homeostasis also involves anticipatory feedforward processes that shift input, output curves, and thereby bring levels of regulative variables to a different plateau to different plateau values, sorry, also known as set points, a process termed allostasis. Allostatic adjustments are ordinary or ordinarily temporary. For instance, once SARS-CoV-2 infection resolves, the accompanying low-grade fever dissipates. By contrast, the essence of the integrative physiological examination of post-COVID-19 syndrome is that some allostatic adjustments to COVID-19 persist and that consequently levels of regulated variables remain at their new values. This shift comes at the cost of increased autonomic variability, dyshomeostasis. Accelerated wear and tear on effectors and body organs, allostatic load, and increased energy utilization. Persistent allostasis can theoretically be ascribed to the combined effects of instinct, meaning inherent processes such as the innate immune responses, classical Pavlovian conditioning, and operant instrumental conditioning. An example of classical conditioning would be the increase in heart rate that occurs in anticipation of standing up, resulting from learned associations between previously neutral cues and unconditioned aversive stimuli, such as nausea, chest pain, and faintness evoked by orthostasis. See, an example of operant conditioning would be learning to avoid situations that involve prolonged standing because they are aversive. Now, oh, tell me about it. <laughs> me, me and my mattress are beautifully well acquainted now. <laughs> the concept of allostasis can explain the well-known but poorly understood worsening of prognosis associated with both acute COVID-19 and post-COVID syndrome occurring in people with a wide variety of comorbidities. These comorbid conditions might all represent pre-existing allostatic states, with the allostatic load posed by PASC being additional to that which has already accumulated. 
As all allostatic states waste energy reserves, fatigue can be anticipated to be a common feature of post-COVID-19 syndrome. As an example, a variety of intervening physiological and biochemical variables could link important manifestations of PASC, POTS, a tendency to faint, brain fog and fatigue to the extended autonomic system. With respect to POTS, excessive orthostatic tachycardia can be traced to a combination of baroreflex and cardiovagal dysfunction. Oh, why? But my <laughs> my initial reading of that is uh, vaginal. <laughs> that's that's just my uh, smutty brain as I'm reading the science. <laughs> I keep seeing out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, I'm not really gonna have to read that, but now I just said it out loud. <laughs> anyway. Which seems to be a common finding in patients with neurological correlates of PASC. In turn, this dysfunction might either result from relative splinting of baroreceptors within stiffened arterial walls, a type of afferent baroreflex failure, or be part of an inherited or conditioned evoked pattern from the CAN, central autonomic nervous system, that reflects the effects of the pro-inflammatory cytokines of SARS-CoV-2 or, sorry, SARS-CoV-2 viral fragments on afferent nerves. Excessive orthostatic tachycardia might also arise from reflexive SNS activation in response to an augmented shift in blood volume distribution towards the splanchic or pelvic organs. This sympathetic circulatory response might also contribute to the increase in calculated total peripheral resistance observed in some patients with PASC. The tendency for syncope or pre-syncope in patients with PASC might be related to sympathoadrenal imbalance, an evoked pattern that occur in distressing situations where the person cannot fight, cannot flee. Oh, you better get used to that. <laughs> the corporations have you right where they want you. It's going to be tough to say no. In sympathoadrenal imbalance, the increase in activity of the SAS, um, as measured by plasma adrenal levels, is greater than that of the SNS, as measured by plasma noradrenaline levels. This relative restraint of SNS outflow results in unopposed adrenaline-induced skeletal muscle vasodilation and a shift in cardiac output towards the limbs and away from the brain. Some of the relative SNS inhibition occurring in this setting could be the result of high arginine vasopressin levels. Brain fog in individuals with PASC could also reflect decreased cerebral blood flow, resulting from impaired cerebrovascular autoregulation, hyperventilation-induced hypercapnia, shifts in the distribution of cardiac output away from the brain, or a combination of these factors. A decrease in effective circulating blood volume and cardiac stroke volume could release the SNS from inhibitory restraint by low-pressure cardiopulmonary baroreceptors. Fatigue is the most difficult PASC symptom to explain. Fatigue might be a manifestation of an abnormal pattern of central neurotransmitters in brainstem and cortical pathways of the central autonomic nervous system and or stress system. In animal models, neuroinflammation induced by lipopolysaccharide administration, ah, you know, like they hit everyone with uh, with those uh, plasmid-infected process to uh, vaccines. Uh, let's see. 
Lipa polysaccharide administration leads to the release of several candidate chemical messages in brainstem centers, including the nucleus tractus solitarius and parabrachial nucleus that might mediate lipopolysaccharide provoked sickness behavior, a classic model of acute inflammation. These chemical messages are glutamate, dopamine, noradrenaline, serotonin, and pituitary adenylate cyclase activating peptide. Interesting there. Um, so to conclude, no published articles have directly addressed the prevalence of post-COVID dysautonomias to our knowledge, although reports based on symptom inventories suggest that post-COVID dysautonomias are common. The available data are categorized in terms of affected organs and do not take into account the syndromic nature of autonomic dysfunction. For example, the autonomic abnormalities in patients with post-COVID dysautonomias have been mainly identified by objective but indirect physiological indexes of cardiovagal and cardiac sympathetic activity. And where are we losing people um, with cardiovascular events? With rare exceptions, direct neurochemical and neurophysiological assessments have not been conducted. In addition, the myriad symptoms of PASS could involve abnormal functions of one or more components of the autonomic nervous system. Major gaps in knowledge exist about the potential involvement of the enteric nervous system and the SAS in PASC. A key issue is that researchers investigating COVID-19 sequelae do not know what to look for because they have inadequate training in autonomic medicine. Mm, yeah, I can see this. <laughs> this is the grand challenge of autonomic disorders. The author concurs with the other investigators that having an institute within the NIH focusing on... <laughs> Hashtag, they always come through. Uh, he's uh, itching to uh, have her, him run that NIH department on complex chronic conditions such as PAC, MECFS, and POTS, which could serve as prototype dysautonomias would be beneficial. Applying systems-based thinking as opposed to organ-based thinking could help researchers to understand the mechanisms underlying such conditions and devise and test individualized pathophysiology-based treatments for these disorders. Promising treatment approaches already under investigation in clinical trials include drugs and biological agents that target autoimmunity, drugs that act on adrenoreceptors, sympathetic ganglion blockade and transcranial electrical stimulation. Mm. I don't know about the transcranial electrical stimulation. <laughs> if ever there was vaporware, there was, it was that. Uh, in most patients, post-COVID dysautonomias will improve clinically over time, but autonomic dysfunction persists in some individuals. The long-term outlook for these patients depends heavily on whether post-COVID dysautonomias arise de novo or represent a worsening of underlying predispositions, a challenging but in important unanswered scientific question um, um, there, uh, that that's the review done and um what what that tells me is just that it's again very messy um area right now because of the inherent complexity of of the autonomic nervous system and we just know that um that spike and the viral fragments and the <laughs> lipid nanoparticles etc can impact at various different levels and again it'll be um very much down to the individual the genomics etc etc all the usual caveats that go with this um what i what i disturbingly took from this manuscript is that there aren't much in the way of interventions really and um you know, you don't want to end up like uh, Commander Rixie and 
in and out of hospitals. He was in again this week. And I'm, uh, I wish I knew more. <laughs> I said, you know, it's, it's a field of medicine where you have to be very hands-on, right? So some of these um, tests and the, the signs that you would have to be trained to look for, um, but take years, years and years of training. And I don't know, maybe, maybe the um, molecular diagnostics have improved somewhat in recent years but um i think that i think that there's a lot of people in positions like charles now and um all those it's one thing being exposed as a casualty of uh, biowarfare release it's another to be forced into the kill box and shut up with it and uh, ending up with these dysautonomias. Um, <laughs> that's, and having having everyone just gaslight the fuck out of you that you're uh, you're just uh, you're just malingering. You that uh, that crazy blood pressure, and uh, you're just trying to get off work. Yeah. I wish it was so simple, but anyway. Uh, let's see. Send good vibes to Rixie. Yes. Um, all right. So, <laughs> suck my WTYL. <laughs> um, let's see. 30 years I'm behind on tech. Yeah, I just, I just feel it. It's just accelerating away from me. Um, and you know that's what kids are for <laughs> just they, they they've adapted to it they got different um different pressures all right uh let's see do 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 let's see i'm just trying to get through some chat here hey kev do you think god's chosen lunatics will drag us all into world war three yes <laughs> they already have <laughs> if you haven't noticed it's it's begun already um <laughs> once once the bio warfare kicked off um you should it should have been a big indicator now that we've got um <laughs> trench warfare in europe again you know there should have been another indicator and now that um <laughs> the aircraft carriers are zooming around uh the what is that indian ocean <laughs> waiting waiting with big targets painted on their backs for anti-ship missiles uh, <laughs> you know get ready all right uh do, 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 do. see my uncle on iwo jima this bad motherfucker walked across an ice pack into canada to avoid a british warrant for smuggling guns and it ended up as a cb in the u.s navy um cool story <laughs> how many base pairs difference do we need for a new branch um that's dependent upon the um elements more within the uh, backbone um uh, stable elements of the virus and 
for all their protestations about RNAs being um, so unstable that they can't do anything. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, let's see. Zaddy Mum says, my neighbour has long COVID. I heard it was two years bedridden. When I saw her this summer outside, she wore a magnet headband and bent forward when she talked. 35 years old. She was a gardener. She literally had to bend 90 degrees over to talk. She said it was how her brain worked. Eesh. My grandma had ruptured implants. She suffered from the silicone. <laughs> you don't need rubber titties, ladies. Trust me. Zogwar coming to a bunker near you. <laughs> Burn them out Guadalcan style. <laughs> Maybe. Say no to Zog. You'll live longer and be happier. Queen Lord says, The Lord shall guide my misfolding prions into nice sleep or sudden heart explosion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you've got this degree of um, dysautonomia going around, um, expect exploding hearts. Who predicts global cancer rates will rise at more than 75% by 2050? Um, yeah, that's if, that's if there's a, people around in 2050. Suck my WTYL says, hello, hello. That's basically how I'm living, is either I get better or my heart pops, trying, it's working so far. Roller Podger says, fuck you. Uh... <laughs> we have never seen a mutational rate as we have with SARS-2. Even just today out of South Africa, 140 mutation was sequenced. That's not normal. <laughs> My WTYL says, I am proud. <laughs> proud? Uh, let's see. Let them keep it. The people want their tendies anyways. Um... You would think after three and a half thousand years of their nonsense, the world would have learned by now. Um, maybe. Um, maybe in a sort of metaphysical sense, you have to have that little black grain <laughs> for the pearl to emerge. And uh, think of, think of the Jew in that fashion, just being the necessary itchy grit in your uh, in your underwears just to just to enable the, <laughs> the pearl the gooming pearl all right let's see let's see i'm not nervous says uh, suck my wtyl some oh, speaking in uh, the native tongue there let me see what that means in the chicken scratch uh, translate. <laughs> it's probably like, may you, may you forever be in debt, Goyim. No, not chronotropic incompetence. Uh, in, Japanese, it translates to in English. <laughs> Detect language. Let's open up. Um, Japanese. Alright. Technocratic class are very dangerous. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we haven't learned that by now. I don't know what to tell you. 
Uh, I'm sure Simon has a method to freeze the goods so they stay past their expiratory date. I'm not sure what that means. I heard drone bombing Yemen helps post COVID-19 <laughs> symptoms. <laughs> ah, touche loaded. Uh, touche. Um, let's see. Pathological mechanisms of SARS-2 is largely the kidney urine pathway in my observance. Um, potentially. Uh, it's one of those. Well, <laughs> it's it's a dangerous pathway to be messing around with let's see no amnesty for these goons never forget Doolin says if we gave Ukraine more missiles then we all won't get COVID-19 <laughs> right uh, bluff with the best says glad I found you Kev have a good night all uh, you have a good night as well uh, let's see as predictive that the MTFs tried to normalize a heart attack now cardiac arrest can affect people of any age here's what you need to know February 2nd <laughs> Right. All those, all those eighteen-year-olds had to trip over out the boozer, just keeling over from heart attacks, pint in hand, <laughs> cigarette half lit. All right. Uh, let's see. Get yourself an alpha blocker. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. All they've done is level the playing field after centuries of inbreeding. <laughs> Doc, check PP Blick food incoming. Thank you, Fred. Uh, much, much. I will uh, check that right now. That means logging in. Um, ask everyone to watch this. King of the Prion War. <laughs> king of the Prion War? Why? <laughs> I'm the king. What's the matter with you? There's only one king round here. It's me, I tell you. That is me. <laughs> That's the uh, Savim's lecture. Okay. Uh, <laughs> throw the grabbler down the well so my country can be free. <laughs> Touche. All right. I've got to go because I've got to go. And um, it's the daughter's uh, orientation to uh, junior high. So um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those that um, tuned in. Uh, thank you to those who are not the K26R and uh, let me just uh, I should probably check if there were any any more um, can we can we feed uh, feed that bleak today uh, yes we can thank you thank you thank you oh um, I will be back um, perhaps with uh well, this, this, I've got like, all these tabs on this thing. This is work that I'm trying to get to, and um, more shit just keeps happening all the time. And uh, who knows, by the time uh, orientation's finished at uh, the the junior high, uh, War with Iran might have started. Newland might be rubbing one out in the uh, in a luxury luxury ladies bathrooms that they have in the state department all right well she probably uses the gents i'm out of here take care god bless and see you in the next one bro you don't know how angry i am you do i'm like i was just leaving for fucking work you do not understand how fucking pissed off after reading that all on i would be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine fuck these papers I will fucking kill each fucking kappa! <laughs> this is not a fucking joke anymore!
This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually playing. Fuck these chapters. No fucking vaccine or MRA or ever turns into a fucking war plan. Never. I will fucking die. Fucking fighting for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my fucking living. Fuck these motherfuckers. All that fire. This guy. So check what about that. Boom.